abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host and his sister for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another week of Not Your Average Horror Show as we go through the month of October, going through an old Halloween classic, at least one that I like to watch, uh, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. And this one, you did get the opportunity to see, Adrian. I did, last night, before bed. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't have any nightmares, but... Oh, okay. (laughs) So your initial thoughts on this, a well-told story or no? (laughs) Well, I think it definitely has, like, um, you could kind of tell that it was based on a book, um, at least with the knowledge beforehand, um because it had like a lot of good characters um okay the way things are like set up and thought about i mean you could tell some things were like underdeveloped as well right that would have been like explained more and probably given a lot more weight in a literary sense that weren't in the movie but um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think. Uh, Although the interesting thing, though, is that I think it wasn't necessarily a novel, but a short story. Oh, okay. Well, still, I mean. Called Cycle of the Werewolf. Oh. So it's it a short story. Does that it mean it's like only 10 pages long? I mean, I feel like they can be anywhere from like 10 pages long to like 50. Okay. Because then it gets into novella territory. Oh, yeah, right. Um. Yep. Yeah, but I don't know what exactly those qualifications are. Um, <laughs> okay. A point about the narration, like, she narrated, like, a couple sentences in the beginning, and then, like, mm-hmm. I completely forgot that she, like, I thought I had imagined her narrating the story, like, about midway through the movie, because you just don't hear her again. Oh, yeah. So, like, the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't really seem necessary at all. Yeah. It's like, what's the point? It <laughs> yeah, doesn't she wasn't show even, her. like, a character. <laughs> hardly it well doesn't. until the end but yeah then a bunch the of sister? stuff like yeah yeah she had some pretty good screen time well like a bunch of stuff happens in the middle and you kind of forget about her oh right i don't know the um yeah cory Haim definitely seems like the main star although it's interesting that gary Busey was top billed <laughs> he was like the number one name that appeared I don't know if they just did that, maybe for publication the purposes. Fanfare, yeah. I guess <laughs> he was the uh, the big draw. Yeah, the fanfare. <laughs> him and a touch of overacting, I would say, which is not unusual for him. <laughs> maybe he was trying to compensate for uh, the underacting of some of the other. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you thought it was appropriate for the character, the drunk, the drunk uncle. Yeah, yeah. Coming off his third divorce, the drunkle. Oh, good one. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing she says to him early on, like when he's getting on her nerves. Corey Ham's getting on the sister's nerves, and she's like, "Oh, you're." He he's like, "Is Uncle Red coming over tonight?" He's like, "Oh, you're. You mean your great uncle who's on his third divorce and drunk?" <laughs> and then, and then he's like, "Well, but I didn't care much for Sharon anyway. Whatever her name was. <laughs> Maybe the next one will be better." So the, uh, yeah, with her being the first voice that you hear, I guess it's worth mentioning that many people might know this, many might not, but there was an old TV series in the mid 80s called Anne of Green Gables, which is funny because she plays like a little bit of um, a similar character, but very much, you know, restrained because that was more like a PBS show. I don't know. She's more, I think, I don't know. She does play the, you know, want to do the good thing all the time and 
mm-hmm. but you know, finding annoyances with people. So as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking there's more in common with that series than I thought with the character in this movie. But it's just funny the two types of stories that they are. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been a very much more family oriented <laughs> type of TV series that our parents watched, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> and I was forced to watch it too. I wasn't forced. It was just that there was no other options back then. <laughs> it's either, you know, you can watch half an hour of whatever you want or as much of whatever else like your parents want to watch. Yeah. Or so, your your sister. Yes. Your other sister. So I resorted to watching that, even <laughs> though I didn't really like it. I, it was just something to watch. So I did. If you thought I was able to watch any of the cool shows back then, like Knight Rider or uh, Dukes of Hazard or the A-Team, think again, or the Hulk. <laughs> Only if I went to my grandparents. Yeah. Or our grandparents, I should say. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, how how unfortunate. Yes, exactly. Can't imagine. Yep. So enough about that. Um, but yeah, Gary Busey, it's funny. Like they could have used more of him, I think. I don't know. I guess it was balanced pretty good. Yeah. Um, there was um the more beloved characters didn't start appearing more until like the last third of the movie. Because like yeah. The first two thirds were like, ooh, the werewolf is out there and here's a murder, here's another murder. And then. Yeah. yeah. It did focus a lot on the town folk. Like mm-hmm. it kind of spread it around. It's like you start wondering. It's like, okay, who is the main character in this movie? <laughs> yeah. You started wondering if maybe the guy with the beard, Andy, the guy who owned, he was like the asshole in the bar that always kept mm. starting fights with everybody. Yeah. There was a lot of drunk men in this movie, I noticed. Yep. <laughs> this yeah. town fell on hard times, I guess. Yeah, well, or you maybe know. Maybe that's just. Some southern town. And just, you know. <laughs> yeah, you had the guy that was um, the guy with the beard, right? Mm-hmm. That was watching wrestling and had the uh, that whole plant set up in his backyard. Is There's he just... the one that had the daughter? Yeah. Yeah, that Corey Haim had a crush on that you never saw again. Right, I guess. I guess after the father got killed. Like, she She left town. Yeah, yeah. On her own, I guess. On her bike. (laughs) 12 years old, leaving town. (laughs) Stranger things have happened. Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) Oh, let's see. Yeah, you see see some interesting characters in the bar, though. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if you remember, like, that guy, the older guy with the bat called the Peacemaker. Mm. He had, like, a really rough-sounding voice. Mm -hmm. He's bald. Um, yes big guy his name's lawrence tierney so he was like an actor who's been around for ages and he's been in even some stuff like reservoir dogs i don't know if you ever saw that um i think i like watched half of it okay yeah yeah so he was their boss in Mm. that movie okay and then he played elaine's father on seinfeld in one show (laughs) which is pretty hilarious yeah what uh i wonder how he got that gig I don't know. But then, like, they were all supposed, like, him and Elaine and George were all supposed to meet together. And Elaine couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. It ended up just being George and Jerry, and they were terrified of him. (laughs) With good cause, it looks like. It's like they had nothing in common with him, and it was was pretty funny. (laughs) So he didn't have much of a role. He had, like, you know, entered into the swamp with where most of the bar people got killed off Mm -hmm. into the swamp. And, um... He had the bat. He was hitting the werewolf. 
Mm-hmm. for a few hits and then suddenly you see the bat shift over to the other side of the screen and then the werewolf is hitting him with the bat <laughs> and... yeah it kind of zoned in on that werewolf arm coming down on the guy for like 10 minutes it felt like yeah <laughs> and then like the the mannequin head i mean oh right the i didn't even know who that was supposed to be <laughs> the effects were generally fine but like yeah that one instant where it was like this it looks like one of those um weird halloween masks it actually kind of looked like Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. Oh, right. Like <laughs> tossing up a mask of like Gilligan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like split in half, right? I'm uh-huh. bloody, but yeah, it did look like a mannequin, like not even any hair, I don't think. <laughs> I guess they figure it was dark. Yep. Well, I don't know what they were thinking. It could have been done better. <laughs> if they had seen a couple of Friday the 13th, they could have come up with something better, I think. Yeah, we're get your uh, friend on board, the uh, <laughs> special effects guy that we did a whole episode on. Oh, yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah, I guess yeah. they couldn't afford him. <laughs> but that would have been a good, uh, yeah, a good hire. Um, Yep, so that, yeah, there was a few things going on in this movie. You know, it's just like as, you know, early on, like the body count starts racking up pretty quickly mm-hmm. as, you know, you see that first the first lady who was, you know, had the sleeping pill. She's pregnant. Mm. And then what did the guy say? He, she like pulls him aside in the bushes on that 4th of July event. And he's, he's oh. like, it's your baby. You got to help me out with this. <laughs> he said, it's your oven, but it ain't my bun. <laughs> <laughs> every guy has to re- never notice. See, every guy has to remember that line just in case. <laughs> You want to get out of it. <laughs> it's here, but it ain't my bun. Yeah, and then you just leave, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> Sadly, though, you know, she took it pretty hard. And then she was going to commit suicide. She was, although she was not the first one that got killed in the movie. There was the guy that was working on the train, the railroad. I guess the guy that oh, fixes railroad tracks yeah. in the very beginning. Oh, <clears throat> right. Yeah. And his head gets, like, flung. But nobody realized, like, that was a homicide because mm. they just thought he was a drunk that like fell asleep he got, <laughs> and then got him fell off yeah he got himself decapitated by the train <laughs> i guess is what they all assumed <laughs> so they never put one and one together with him but then with her that's when things started getting a little bit tense yeah you know she's sitting her in her room you know she's got the pills and the glass and sitting on her bed mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like the werewolf comes through her window and slashes her up yeah. I wonder why he chose her. Well, oh, he explained right. it, remember? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. But it's too bad the way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's sad that, you know, yes, she's there trying to commit suicide. but <laughs> Taking but then, one pill at a time. <laughs> on her comfortable bed. All of a sudden, like this gigantic, you know, like dog bear looking thing busts through the window and slashes you apart. And it's just like... <laughs> Yes, I was trying to kill myself, but what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you rest on in now? peace. <laughs> yeah, right. Not exactly like this. <laughs> what a way to go. So, yeah, so she got killed. And then, like, the father of that blonde girl, the guy that, like, you know, had the shotgun and then um, something. But yeah, the kid, the child. Corey. So. Hank. Oh, no, the, his oh. friend, Brady, that was up in the tree. <laughs> right, okay, yes. Yeah, and then he was flying the kite, and the werewolf, I guess, doesn't like kites very much. <laughs> yeah, he never, like, explained the rest of the murders, you know? Who? The Well, the 
<laughs> Spoiler alert, the priest. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, very true. I guess they had like, maybe he saw something in everybody he didn't like. The way he kind of was like, I don't know, causing tension between Corey Haim and his sister, like with the snake. Mm. Maybe he didn't like that, but that's kind of a lame reason. I have to read the short story, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Demand answers. Right. But um, yeah, so like I said, the body count racks up pretty quickly early on. And then all these people at the bar are starting to, you know, they're really getting pissed off the sheriff and then like the chief and they're both like insulting them right to their face, just like <laughs> over and over. And then it gets to the point where, you know, they're like, okay, well, if you guys can't handle this, we're going to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's not that term private justice comes up, which I've never heard before outside of this movie. <laughs> private justice. I mean, it makes sense, but. Yeah. We got to start throwing that around a lot more often. Yeah, right. Exactly. If the cops can't help you, you get your own private justice. Do it yourself. Vigilanteism. Yes. So, yeah. Then they eventually band together. They get all their shotguns and bats and everything else together. And, uh, you know, they head out to do it. And then you see the priest try to stop them as they're doing it. And then, you know, he's a well-reverend, I guess. Um, and obviously that's what a reverend would do, but then you find out like, there's another reason, like he wouldn't have wanted them to go Mm -hmm. out and hunt them down either, you know, for a very personal reason. (laughs) And so that's when it starts getting interesting when forget what happened. Oh yeah. So Corey Haim eventually receives some fireworks from uncle Gary Mm -hmm. and that was because like the carnival got canceled because of all the werewolf stuff going on Mm. or you know as they said a maniac was on the loose before they knew what it was so fireworks got canceled he gave him some fireworks and then i guess Corey Haim snuck out of the house rode his silver bullet out to that bridge and started lighting them off which disturbed the werewolf i guess (laughs) another thing on his no-go list yeah (laughs) no fly zone right yeah, I guess that was it. I mean, he was just drawing attention to himself, and the world just happened to be out there, and he's just like, you know, what the hell Which is kind on? of a stupid thing to do. I mean, if I knew there was, like, a maniac on the loose, I wouldn't be like, hey, kid, here's some fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Have some fun. Yeah, that was bad advice on Gary's part. <laughs> Take the... He did say stay close to the house, but, you know, what's the kid gonna do? Can you give him an entire, like, silver bullet? Well, I guess that was, like, pre, like, souped up bullet um was that the new one or the old yeah i can't remember now but um (laughs) how soon we forget yeah exactly but that was a pretty cool scene though you know he's on the bridge and he's got those fireworks and they're like going off up in the air and then um the werewolf does start slowly creeping up and it's kind of funny because the werewolf isn't really that werewolf looking in this movie. <laughs> like people have said, it looks like just a man in a bear costume or it looks like, you know. Oh, did you see that thing about, um, it's called a sun bear, but it was like getting a lot of like viral attention because it looked exactly like a man in a bear suit. It's like- In a uh, zoo? Yeah, a Yeah, zoo I in saw China. that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was really bad. No, but it was actually a bear. No. Yeah. I don't know, because like down the, the bottom of his back, you could see where it's almost like it's wrinkled up. <laughs> no, but like that's how they look. Really? Yeah. 
I'm surprised. Yeah, I thought for sure that was a joke. <laughs> no, real bear, real nature. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what this thing looked like. <laughs> Just like a guy walking around on two legs most of the time. <laughs> so he walks up the bridge at Corey Haim. You know, of course, he's all freaked out and sees him. And he's got one firework left, like the best one, the rocket takes aim and shoots him right in the eye. So that does the job good enough to at least get him get him out of there for for the t- for, you know the time <laughs> being, and enables him to get back home. And now he's freaking out because he knows exactly what's going on. Like he was the first one to say, "Hey, maybe it's a werewolf," and he had like no evidence <laughs> whatsoever to support that. He brought some common sense into the room. I guess so. <laughs> if, if saying a werewolf was on the loose, me maybe more of an astute call than you would have thought. <laughs> But, um, yeah, the relationship between him and his sister was kind of interesting, too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you can see that um, he felt bad, you know, when she got that earlier in the movie when... Oh, her hose? Her pantyhose got (laughs) ruined. And gave her Her $2, which they're like... $10 $10 now, I guess, with inflation. So That was a funny scene, though. When you think about it, like, as you're watching it, it's just like, oh, that's nice. But then, like, when you really break that down, it's just like, it's midnight. He comes into a room. He, here's $2.50. He lays... <laughs> well, he couldn't sleep. He was like, you know, shame was keeping him awake. Yeah, he couldn't sleep because he was ashamed and she was pissed so she was still awake too <laughs> and he puts the money down on there and he's like here's some money for some pantyhose and she's <laughs> like oh well i guess i can get them for a dollar fifty at the pharmacy and give them <laughs> half the money back very touching scene i have to say yeah they actually have a better relationship than i think most <laughs> siblings right yeah exactly so they made up and then they were pretty much on good terms through the rest of the movie And I guess that probably was wise of him because when he told his story to her, like he was so shook up by Mm -hmm. that event that happened on the bridge, he had to tell, he knew like it would be worthless to even attempt to tell his parents that. Mm -hmm. And he'd already tried telling his uncle that and he didn't even believe him. The drunk uncle didn't believe that. (laughs) Gary Busey didn't even believe. No. (laughs) It was a werewolf on the run. The father, by the way, like was almost nowhere to be like he was there. He didn't have like one line in the whole movie, which is kind of funny. I don't even remember what the father looks like. No, he was just like so much in the background. But I mean, the mom had, yeah, a big blow up with the uncle. So you remember her. Mm -hmm. But the dad just like, well, be careful now. Like he was just like there (laughs) in the background saying like typical dad stuff like that. So he brought the story to her and um, she believed it. And it was kind of uh, interesting that it, you know, she she did like buy into it after just, I guess, one one attempt. Mm-hmm. And then they got the plan for her to go around town to collect bottles for bottles this, and cans. Yeah. For like <laughs> a, a church benefit. Uh, so her goal with that was like not only get the bottles, but then to see if there's anybody out there with just one eye. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, to know with no luck going around town, it was kind of funny. Made for some funny interactions in the barber shop, especially. <laughs> She's looking up and down the row of barbers, who you see some like really older backwoods looking guys just like <laughs> staring at her, motionless with their eyes wide open. I'd be more afraid of that. Yeah, that werewolf. was like a weird scene <laughs> in the barber shop. 
And then the one with the guy's head, the guy's face covered with the blanket. <laughs> she made it weird because she went up to him. <laughs> she pulls the towel off of his face. Do you have any bottles and cans? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It puts the blanket back in his face. <laughs> So all this seems to be to no avail. And then even like at the end when she's returning the bottles and cans back to the church or at mm. least where the reverend lives in his garage, she's even like muttering to herself. She's like, I never should have believed Marty. She, he sent me on this wild goose chase. And it's just like, I've got a lot of bottles and cans, but I never found like the the, <laughs> the one-eyed person I'm looking for. And right as she's saying this, like you see the guy gardening, the reverend is gardening mm -hmm. right there, like in in his full black, you know. I guess do they always wear that, even in their um, downtime? I mean, I don't know. I haven't met many. Well, I mean, I've met some, but I guess not in like a casual. Maybe right. I wouldn't know. Maybe they do dress in their casual. It's clothes. possible. Are there I, any reverends out there listening to the podcast? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> I know there are some religions that do. I think if you're Orthodox Jewish, because like you go through neighborhoods around here and then sometimes yeah. you'll see them like, like even their back, even like, you know, hammering something onto the side of their house they'll be wearing all that like a suit yeah yeah and the amish will do that the amish yeah that's and like a more buddhist monks always in orange okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so um that led to a pretty scary scene i mean it was like a really a surprise like i never saw that coming the first time although i think somebody ruined it for me but um yeah it was kind of an interesting scene though did you see that coming that it was him um no actually she just wheels the cans into the garage, his garage, before she even sees his face. Mm -hmm. And she's like ditching them out. And then she falls down in the cans because the mouse scares her. And then like under the can, she sees the bat that mm -hmm. the guy in the bar owned and the bat's broken. She's like, oh, that's kind of strange. And as she's turning around, like she's face to face with the reverend. And uh, sure enough, he only has one eye. So that was pretty like... Uh, interesting scene pretty creepy scene right there mm -hmm. and you can see how terrified she is and she kind of runs out and i guess he kind of like he probably suspects that she knows something he knows she knows now yeah i mean he probably put it together pretty quickly because she's his brother and he knows who saw who did that to him which was Corey haim they both figured out that uh yeah this werewolf will attack you even if there's not a full moon mm. but but because like he really wanted to kill Corey Haim with his full force, he would wait until the next full moon, <laughs> which bought them some time to prepare for that, I guess. Right, right. And then, you know, up until then, I guess they did finally convince Gary Busey. I can't remember exactly how. Um, well, I don't think they ever really fully convinced him. He was just kind of <clears> like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he went far enough to do the silver bullet for them. Yeah. Like, to get that made. Which, yeah. that, that was a cool scene, I thought. Where, and that's where the narration kicks in. Like, it, oh, it was right. so <laughs> inexplicable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so inexplicable how the narration just kicked in in some spots and not others. Like, there's this guy, the gun shop owner, making the silver bullet. And you see him, like, with the tools and stuff. And it's pretty cool. He melted down the necklaces. And she, she narrates this as such to say the owner of the gun shop was not so much a gunsmith but an old world craftsman <laughs> using his tools and precision and, <laughs> and you see him cutting it and then loading it into the empty 
44 caliber shell. Good oh, choice. you identified that. Yeah, he mentioned Gary Busey mentions the 44. Oh, so okay, that was well. a good choice to, to stop <laughs> that. Yeah. But it looked like a 44, I would have thought. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So they've got the one bullet. And yeah. um, I was going to say, though, I think in addition to her plan to go get the bottles and cans, like Corey's Hames plan was to like just send letters to the werewolf. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, oh, essentially to bully him into committing suicide. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bullying the werewolf. It was worth a shot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I'm glad you said that because that was one way. Now that you say that, that um, they did convince Gary Busey that um, he was the guy because that was the first thing he told him, that their plan was like to send like these letters over and over to him. (laughs) And they convinced him to go to the police officer. They're like, so the impression I get is that they said, well, we sent all these letters. If he was just a normal reverend, not being the werewolf, Mm -hmm. wouldn't he have gone to the police and reported that? all these letters coming to him, mm. but he never did. So that yeah. kind of tells you right there. It's just like, okay, if he, if he hasn't like sent, you know, notified anybody at all about what's going on, mm-hmm. then, you know, he intends to handle this on his own. <laughs> so, um, his own private justice. Uh, yeah. Good point. So I think that combined with the fact, and then there was the scrape on his, um, Oh, we haven't gotten to that bullet. scene. Which one? We never explained that scene where he's like hunting down Corey Haim with his car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That preceded that scene because he was. um... Well, yeah. So Gary Busey is like somewhat convinced. And then they like go to the reverend's church where he is doing work painting a thermometer. (laughs) Yes, that's right, too. I love that line, too, where he's so first. Yeah. I don't know if the scene was like at the same time he was on that bridge with the fireworks. No, it was some other random time in the daytime where he chased him down. Yeah, it was after that. I don't know. In my head, it was like the same day. (laughs) Well, the covered bridge was during the day. Because then like he's at, he's got no options. Like Mm -hmm. now he's like got no gas. He's like at the end of the bridge. Mm -hmm. And then just by chance, that guy with the tractor is like Mm -hmm. up the road. Mm Mm-hmm as the reverend's like chasing him down and like he 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 pushed him on another bridge i think yeah it was another bridge maybe the same one but it was again on a bridge that he just he kept going back and forth with the car and bumping him at one point i thought the whole thing was gonna fly off the bridge because like he hit them but it just hit the side of the bridge so now he's got like the reverend's car paint Mm -hmm. on him and that scene where he's on the bridge, you know, and it's just like he's yelling at the guy in the tractor, which is like, God, that guy never would have heard him. Over <laughs> Definitely the, not. For one thing, he's too far away and tractors are loud. <laughs> yeah. So. It's Corey Haim's piercing voice. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So that bailed him out of that scene. But yeah. So then, yeah, that puts us where they're like staking out the reverend. Mm-hmm. And so. They're sitting in Gary Busey's car and they're looking at him. He's got that. What was the thermometer for? It was like, I guess, a maybe fundraiser. For the bottles, I guess for the bottles cans like, to raise money. So, yeah, it's like a gigantic thermometer that you're painting. And you see these things, you know, for like progress reports, whatever the case may be. And so he's out there painting that. And then Gary Busey's like, so tell me again, you're saying that this man that we're looking at 
right now in front of us was struck in the eye by a firework. He's like, if that really was the case, this guy would either be in the hospital or he'd be dead. He wouldn't be standing right in front of us painting a thermometer. (laughs) It was pretty hilarious. (laughs) Not a bad point, to be fair. Yeah. (laughs) But um, the other things that we were just talking about, you know, just the fact that he never reported the the threats, the threat letters, and also paint on on the uh, the side of his uh, silver bullet. Mm-hmm. That was enough evidence, I guess, to finally convince Gary Busey mm-hmm. to make that silver bullet and stay overnight with them. Oh, and then the local sheriff gets involved. Oh yeah, well, to investigate. Yes, right. And he went he to him. The paint. Yeah. He must have told the whole werewolf story to the sheriff because, like, you don't hear him explaining it, but the scene just shows the sheriff's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He's like, how do you expect me? And then he, Gary, he's just sitting there with a cigar, like, shrugging his shoulders. I mean, maybe it wasn't, like, so much convincing him that he was a werewolf, but he was, like, running a crippled kid off the road with his car. He yeah. could have just mentioned, uh, left it at that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they don't hear him telling you don't you don't hear him telling the story right. So, and and the, the sheriff's like, "What do you want me to do?" And he's like, "All I'm saying is that you should check check Reverend Low out. You know, <laughs> just do that." It's like, "Okay, I'll do that." And so he does, and then never comes out. No, doesn't make it. <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't even one of those scenes where it's just like you know you see that you knock on the door and you're like, "Hey, did you happen to that? Were you here this night?" <laughs> it's just like, nope. He walked right into something, and he just like. Yeah, that's right. He walked and it was nighttime. He saw the car, which I don't know why he would go at night, but <laughs> it was, he was looking around the car. He sees the scrape and stuff. And then suddenly the reverend's in the garage face to face with him. And he gets really angry and mm-hmm. he becomes the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was the end of the sheriff right there, unfortunately. And. Yeah, and then the kids realize, oh, well, now the sheriff is gone, so <laughs> now we do have to do something. And at that point, and that wasn't clear either. I guess Gary Busey told, um, you know, his parents that they he had won. Yeah, he had won something, a trip away for two people. But the excuse he gave for not being able to go on it was that his wife just left him. So he's like, it was bad timing for me. So maybe you two can take advantage of this, <laughs> but there never was a trip. So I guess what would happen? They'd go to the airport and then their tickets wouldn't be valid or something <laughs> just to get uh, them out of the house. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't think that deeply into that <laughs> whole situation. That was, I guess the way of at least getting them out of the house so that he could stay with them the night they thought that the werewolf would come back and attack. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I'll stay up as long as I need to. We'll load the gun with the silver bullet. We'll be ready. And then that would be that. And so it's funny because the next scene, you show, the clock shows like 10 of three or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're all asleep. <laughs> and, and then he drops the gun on the floor. <laughs> and it was funny. Like, so that when that happened, Corey Haim wakes up and he sees the gun on the floor. He's like, you just dropped the gun. He's like, if that had gone off, that <laughs> would be the heck? end of our silver bullet. You know, I remember <laughs> seeing that like when I was a child, mm-hmm. like when they were advertising this movie, like back that year, 85, oh. I remember that one line from, from the promotion. <laughs> I don't remember anything else, but just like hearing that part of it, wow. which is funny. It's like the stuff you remember. 
<laughs> and like that was the movie was just coming out. It's just like, can you believe that? Because we're going on almost 40 years now. That came out in 85. Wow, really made an impression. Yep, apparently. Well, it was one of those things I wanted to see. But, you know, of course, I was a long way from getting to be able to see that. <laughs> when was the first time you saw this movie? Oh, yeah. Good point. Um, I guess I must have high school. I would have recorded off of one of the <laughs> Canadian stations. And it was great because they didn't edit anything out of those. <laughs> so everything like, you know, they would leave no matter how like every severed mannequin head. Right. Like what the movie was like. It was any like, you know, a sex scene. They would leave all that in there. Like they, they just didn't care up in <laughs> Montreal. <Canadians>. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. The one thing that enabled me to see some of this stuff was just <laughs> living close enough to the Canadian border to be able to watch that on TV. Antenna TV. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm. There was no cable option, no satellite up there. No way. Yeah. Terrible. But like I said, I remember like a kid in high school ruining it for me because he mm. was, he was, I overheard him talking to uh, another buddy of his. He's like, oh, yeah. Did you ever see Silver Bullet? He's like, it's great. He's just like, there's this werewolf going around and this kid like shoots a werewolf in the eye with, uh, with a, a, a rocket firework. Then the next day, like his sister sees that the reverend has no eye. <laughs> so like, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Basically get the whole plot of the movie in homeroom. Right. Yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't like the most exciting. I mean, it's the werewolf does come in, of course, mm -hmm. after a few like false scares and then like and after sister. gary Busey takes the bullet out of the gun oh yeah like, i don't know why the horse is up <laughs> right i got this familiar feeling coming over me <laughs> that Let i me felt... just remove our only <laughs> weapon i felt many times in my life he's like yeah what's that i feel like a horse's ass <laughs> i'm taking this bullet out of this silly gun it's like i'll sit here and stay up but because i said i would do it but you guys are going to bed <laughs> And then, like, a minute later, the werewolf, like, busts through the window. <laughs> that was his cue. The bullet, yeah, the bullet goes. That was smart of the werewolf, though. Yeah. If he was listening in, he had his mm -hmm. ear up to the wall or to the window. He was just waiting. He's like, oh, the dumbass pulled the bullet out of the gun. <laughs> now I can really come in and wreck havoc. <laughs> yeah. So after a struggle and, like, of course, the bullet goes flying down a heating, you know, grate, of course. He's Next able. to a cigarette butt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> that was a nice touch. That's a pro move, <laughs> including something like that. To Very realistic. More realistic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Corey Hames, able enough to fit his hand through that gate. Great. Pull the bullet out. Well, and then, Gary Busey is being tossed helter-skelter. Yeah, you see him go flying. Like, the kids are just sitting there screaming, and he goes flying <laughs> literally across the, the yeah. room, like, hitting a mirror, hitting the wall, <laughs> and then, like, across the couch, hitting the floor at one point. So... <laughs> Yeah, he took a lot of abuse, but together, the three pulled together, and then um, Corey Hayne was able to load the gun, shoot the bullet, and hit him in the, and hit him in the other eye. Yeah. He was very good, good, at, yeah. good at hitting people in the <laughs> eye with some kind of object. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, pretty exciting. And then, you know, you see the guy, the the werewolf transforms back into the reverend right there in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, Such so, effects. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I guess back then it was pretty good. But yeah, it was uh, pretty well told, though, overall. I thought it was an interesting story. And mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, one I kind of forgot about for a while, and then just in past years, started like you know pulling that back out again. Halloween, so I've got the um, 4K. Was it 4K or just Blu-ray? I don't know. I'm uh-huh. trying to get my old classics like on 4K now. <laughs> it's I don't watch much of the new stuff, so I'm just trying to like go out there and reclaim them. It's like collecting. You're collecting the same thing over and over, just in a different format. <laughs> you know, these production companies are brilliant. They know the, nostal- the whole nostalgia thing. It's just like they give you something a little bit different and it's enough to spend like 30 or $40 all over again. <laughs> Even though you are buying the same thing. Yeah, well, I guess for some of us, that's uh, a draw. A priority. <laughs> well, yeah, Silver Bullet by Stephen King. Um, one of the better Stephen King movies, I think. There's not many out there that I do like. I'll put this, like The Shining's probably the best. Mm. This was a good one but i literally can't think of like much else movie wise that maximum uh, overdrive ugh, that was bad <laughs> i don't know why we reviewed that one <laughs> so all right well unless you had anything to add um i, think we, I don't think so i think we exhausted we exhausted silver bullet yeah yep more gary Busey. more let's have a sequel a follow-up <laughs> to this a 40 what else was he in? well his one major like success was in the 70s mm-hmm. he did a movie called buddy holly story and he played oh. buddy holly and he actually like played the guitar and sang all that was really? him like it wasn't like lip synced or anything yeah it was all him so he got a um, academy award nomination for that movie uh-huh so that's where he got his like big prominence from and he mm-hmm. just kind of like rode along with that for years but Otherwise, like all his movies were like very B-level type stuff. You know, it's just like he had a few. A lethal weapon. He played the bad guy in that movie. So that was kind of like a a notable part for him. Mr. Joshua. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, like he's known for getting in a motorcycle accident, like in the mid 80s sometime. And that messed him up a little bit. He wasn't wearing a helmet. And then he was a big advocate ever since then for still not wearing a helmet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it kind of worked for him. It all kind of worked out. Yeah, right. So, all right. Well, on that note, I guess that'll wrap it up. Uh, We'll get something good for next week. Not sure what, but it'll be entertaining. Definitely. We hope. Yeah. (laughs) All right. See you next Wednesday.